guess what, guys? There is only one place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite, locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious pizza joint, Bojo's. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily and contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family, a huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore, Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your personal favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your holiday get-togethers or to celebrate birthdays and other large events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations along with gluten-free and plant-based options as well. There is nothing more important to Bojo's than their community, which is why they are always happy to help you raise money for your fundraising causes. Host your next fundraising event at any of their five Front Range locations. They are also offering their holiday se- this holiday season a special pint glass koozies that make great stocking stuffers and come with a $5 gift card. Check those out at their site today at bojos.com. That's bojos.com and tell them DNVR Rams sent you. Off a high screen, Dorian kicked to the corner, Feirano for three. It's good with the foul! And back to throw is the quarterback and Hayward is sacked by Joey Porter. Takes it in, scores. J.D. Page. Or Stevens lets it go, and there's your touchdown. Michael Gallup. Got it down low. Hornung. Dunk. And here come the students. Leading by 10. Here's Van Pelt. He's at the five. Touchdown, Colorado State. up hello we are back with another edition of the dnvr rams podcast presented by bojo's pizza as always i'm your host justin michael we've got a fun packed show for you this afternoon this evening this morning whenever you happen to be listening to this episode that's the beauty of the podcast but we've got a fun friday episode planned going to be previewing the border war hoops edition uh, colorado state will host the Wyoming Cowboys at 11 a.m. at Moby Arena on Saturday morning. Looking forward to this one. A chance for the Rams to get back to their winning ways. Uh, Should be a pretty competitive game, all things considered. Definitely uh, going to benefit if CSU has Adam Thistlewood back. But we will get into that uh, in in pretty great depth later. Uh, First, I wanted to talk a little bit of CSU football I know it's the off season, 
and it feels like all we have been doing is talking football, but that is how it's, you know, going to be when there's a a coaching change. Obviously there's a lot to talk about, a lot to digest. So we're going to start things off uh, with that. The report came out the other day that John Jancic was likely not going to be retained by Steve Adazio. He basically, uh, you know, well, he confirmed that on Friday morning, tweeting out uh, that he was thankful for his time at Fort Collins and, you know, the, proud of the the work that they put in. He thanked the players for the effort that they gave. A uh, classy way to send off Fort Collins, in my opinion. I think Jancic handled the situation well. Uh, you know, he's a guy who certainly faced a lot of criticism during his time at CSU, rightfully so. You know, I was one of those people that was probably the loudest uh, when it came to to pointing out the issues with the CSU defense over the last couple of years. Um, but, you know, he didn't come into the, the easiest of situations, and I think that's something that should be considered. You know, it's it was publicly known that he wasn't Mike Bobo's first choice. Uh, they obviously offered the, the position to Derek Ansley, former Alabama staffer under Nick Saban. Ansley accepted the position, then one week later, uh, basically reneged on the deal and ends up going to the Oakland Raiders instead. Obviously can't blame the guy. I mean, it's an opportunity to coach in the NFL, uh, the black hole, one of the truly historic franchises. I know uh, this is a podcast uh, audience full of Broncos fans for the most part. I'm sure that we have fans uh, that represent all the teams in the league, but more than not, definitely Broncos fans. Uh, getting back to the point though, uh, you know, it's just it's an awkward situation when you come into a gig knowing that you weren't the first choice. Um, it, it happens all the time in this industry. It's not like it's it's not like it's unique to Jancic or anything like that. And it's it's certainly not an excuse for how much CSU's defense did struggle uh, in his first season in Fort Collins. But between you know not being the first choice, coming into an awkward situation in the spring ball, then having your head coach basically miss all of fall camp and not be prepared for the start of the season in 2018. Uh, Just a a brutal situation to come into. So I I do think that's just something that we should always consider uh, when looking back at the John Jancic era. Another thing that I think, you know, should get remembered is that this defense really did improve drastically from the start of the 2018 season to the end of the 2018 season. And then you saw them take even bigger strides Uh, In 2019, 2018, they allowed 36.8 points per game, 452 yards of offense, about 6.8 yards per play. The points is obviously the most concerning. I think total yardage can be a little bit misleading. Um, It's just you can give up a ton of yards if you don't break in the red zone. I think the 2015 Denver Broncos were kind of a great example of that. They would kind of allow teams to move the ball a little bit down the field, but it would certainly tighten up when it mattered. In 2019, though, you saw them decrease their points allowed from 36.8 to 31.2, only allowed 377.6 yards per game. That's about 75 less than the year before. That's significant improvement. Uh, they did allow 7.6 yards per play, which is actually more than last year, which is funny considering uh, how few, how much fewer yards they gave up per game. Uh, but numbers are weird like that. Uh, all in all, I would say that 
the the defense really played well in conference play down the stretch I'd say uh, the defense is really what gave CSU an opportunity to even have a chance to play for a bowl game uh, it, it, it didn't look good early I know they got absolutely torched on the ground against Toledo a frustrating performance against Arkansas uh, CU obviously moved the ball pretty much at will against them as well so all of those things were frustrating but it is college football and you did see significant significant improvement down the line and, and I mean it was so much improvement that I honestly thought there was a a pretty decent chance he would be back um I got to imagine that Adazio at least you know took a, a long hard thought about taking Jancic back but in the end he has decided to let him walk and we will wish John Jancic well I mean I know there were uh a few people that didn't like him because uh, he blocked him on Twitter or whatever. Um, but overall, I think he was a, a good representative of the university. I thought he treated the media well. We really didn't get to interact with him all that frequently. One of the things that definitely frustrated me about the Mike Bobo era was how little we got to a talk. How it was just we didn't get to talk to the assistant coaches like at all. Um, you know, they'd let us talk a little bit in camp. Sometimes they'd do, like, an intro presser at the beginning. Every now and then you'd get, like, a brief interview in the middle of the year. But for the most part, you know, we talked to him at the beginning of the year and then don't really get to talk to him for the rest of the season. And it's uh, it's frustrating because then coaches will criticize our commentary. But it's like, well, what do you want us to do if we don't get to, we don't get to talk by some of these guys? You can't get mad about what we're saying if you're not giving us an opportunity to, to question you in the first place but that's just how it goes sometime I don't know how it will be under Adazio I'm just guessing here I don't see a lot changing it doesn't seem like the type of dude that would be thrilled to have the media around I don't know that's just speculation uh, we will definitely see I'm sure he understands that it's part of the process but we'll just have to let it play out and see how things go now that we know that Jancic won't be back, though, I, obviously the, the focus turns to who his replacement will be. Adam Rittenberg of ESPN reported that Chuck Heater, a longtime defensive assistant, actually was a defensive coordinator uh, under Earl Bruce at CSU for two years in the early 90s. Uh, they're reporting, Rittenberg of ESPN is reporting that Chuck Heater could potentially be joining Steve Adazio's staff as defensive coordinator now there is uh, some debate about that online football scoop tweeted that they heard that heater actually turned the position down last week and that maybe he's come around since uh, i i can't confirm either of those reports at this time but i did find it interesting that heater's name uh, came up it makes a lot of sense has a ton of ties to adazio uh, earl bruce urban meyer that whole regime that whole squad of coaches uh, it's basically you know Bruce was was Myers guy and then the the coaching tree has trickled down. I am Rittenberg worked with Adazio. He was Adazio's defensive coordinator when Adazio was at Temple for a couple of years. Also worked with him and Urban Meyer at Utah and Florida. Has been coaching since 76, worked at 12 schools over that time. Like I said, was a defensive coordinator at CSU in 1991 and 1992 before spending 6 years with the Buffs. One thing that jumps out to me about him, I has a ton of experience as a recruiting coordinator, held that position 
at CU for a while, Washington, Utah, Florida. Uh, so, you know, just bringing someone in with a national background could be pretty beneficial for CSU from the recruiting game. You know, I've talked about a lot. I would like to see CSU really hit Colorado heavily over the next couple of years, but obviously you still have to recruit national talent if you're going to be able to compete. Bringing in somebody like Heater, who has experience literally recruiting the entire country, you know, it, def- it definitely couldn't hurt. The The counter would be that at 67 years old, not exactly a spring chicken. You know, how long is he interested in doing this for? Would he be able to connect with 17-year-olds still? These are all tough questions that Adazio has to consider. I will say he's been a part of a lot of successful defenses. He certainly has the resume. I just don't know if this is the hire that really excites people. You know, I'll say this, like, at the end of the day, if they if they hire a bunch of old dudes and, and the old dudes end up getting it done, the fans will love it. They will not care one bit. Um, but if they hire all these guys and it ends up being a disaster, obviously the fans are, are going to riot because they wanted Alfred. They wanted somebody uh, young and exciting. They wanted somebody to, to bring energy back to the program on paper, you know, bringing in Adazio and then hiring a 67-year-old defensive coordinator doesn't really scream that, but it's a results business. You know, if you win, you win. He's worked at, well, like I said, 12 schools, has has prior experience of both CSU and CU. It's been, you know, decades since he worked here, so I'm not really sure how applicable that would be. CSU is nothing like it was in 1991 and 1992. Shoot, Fort Collins is nothing like it was in 2013, let alone 1990, uh, but certainly interesting and certainly a name that CSU fans will want to keep their eyes on in the coming weeks. I hope that we find out who the staff is going to be just so we can stop this uh, speculation game. It just gets old real quick, but I'm sure we will get those answers pretty soon. Just got to just gotta stay patient, I guess. That's really all I can preach. Uh, we are going to preview the border war. We're going to talk hoops here in just a second, but before we do, let's just take a quick break to shout out our partners. The holiday season may be over, but the beer drinking season is just getting started. If you haven't tried Breckenridge Brewery, I can't recommend these guys enough. Established in 1990, Breckenridge has been serving locals for two decades plus, not to mention they have some of the best variety in town from the classic Avalanche Ale Colorado Core, Strawberry Sky, the Oatmeal Stout. There are just so many choices, so many great options to make your football viewing experience a hit. Got March Madness coming up in a couple of months. Uh, Really, there's no bad time to crack open a cold one. If you're going to do that, we recommend Breckenridge Brewery. Welcome back to the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Bojo's Pizza. It's time to talk a little hoops, a little basketball. It is the best time of year after all. CSU men's hoops hosting Wyoming Saturday afternoon. Big time game. No no other way to put it. Um, these aren't really two contenders. These aren't, this isn't uh, the showdowns from, you know, when it was like Gian Clavel versus Josh Adams. This isn't Emmanuel Amagbo versus Larry Nance, Stan Kidd versus some of those dudes. It's not. A matchup like that, but it's still a rivalry game, one that the Rams can't take lightly, and you know they're not going to. 
Uh, they found out the hard way what happens when they do up in Laramie last season. You just saw CSU come out uh, flat and lay an egg. They ultimately got revenge later in the year on their home floor, but still this is a Wyoming team that is very much beatable, a team that CSU should expect to beat twice this season. Coming into the game, the Pokes currently sitting at 5-10, and 0-3 in league play. As it sits, currently scoring 60.3 points per game, just under 61 points. Uh, the Pokes are one of the worst offenses in all of college basketball. Uh, in terms of total scoring, they rank 341st out of 353 teams. Uh, if you're doing the math, there's only 12 teams worse than the Pokes in America. Defensively, a little bit more respectable, only giving up 65.7 points per game. That's good for 241st out of 353. Uh, not, you know, not great, not bad. But when you look at this Wyoming team, what really jumps out to me is is the way they, the way they dictate the pace. You know, for being a bad team, it's really impressive the way that Wyoming forces other teams to play their style of basketball, to commit to their brand. Uh, they do a, just a phenomenal job of adjusting the tempo, forcing teams to play slow. Uh, if you're a team like Wyoming who can't necessarily score at will, they're not, you know, the greatest jump shooting team. They just don't have the athletes to consistently score with most of the teams in the league. It makes a lot of sense to try and slow things down. They want to use as much of the shot clock as they can. They want to limit opponents' possessions. And at the end, they try their best uh, to get the ball to Hunter Maldonado, who is basically their entire offense. Six foot seven, 200-pound guard from Colorado Springs, uh, currently averaging 17.6 points per game. He's the only player on the roster and that averages double-digit figures. Uh, if you stop him, you don't let Jake Hendricks heat up from beyond the arc, you you should win this game handily. Hendricks shoots about 36% from three-point range, so not, you know, a killer, but certainly can hit them when open. CSU isn't a great three-point shooting team themselves, so it, it's just a situation where as long as you don't let, you know, Hendricks and Maldonado get, get going from deep, I don't really see a situation where Wyoming comes into Moby and wins this game. Uh, you never know. Looking at Ken Palm... Ken Palm has Wyoming ranked 297th nationally. Um, comparatively, Colorado State coming in at number 134. Uh, Ken Palm basically, you know, as reliable as it gets when it comes to these kind of things. One of the things that jumped out to me on that Ken Palm site, they have a figure that looks at how many possessions a team runs uh, per 40 minutes, and it's adjusted based on the, the the teams that they play. As it currently stands, Wyoming, like I said, one of the slower teams in America, they have an adjusted tempo rating of 65.2. This is 335th in America. 335th. That is absolutely crazy. Only averaging about 30 possessions uh, per half. That's just, it's it's bonkers how consistent Wyoming sticks to this slow, half-court, methodical, run-the-clock-down offense. Um, the only way I really see CSU getting in trouble in this game is if Wyoming just comes out and really, really plays aggressive man defense without fouling, uh, forces the Rams to, to get some 
to force up some bad jump shots, basically. You know, as we've talked about all season, CSU is not a great jump shooting team. Uh, they can move the basketball pretty well, though, and I think if they if they play inside out, if they can get the ball to Nico Carvacho in the post, if they can attack the rim with Isaiah Stevens, Chris Martin, uh, Kendall Moore, all these guards, really, CSU's guards, the offense functions best when they're playing through the big men, when guys are cutting, when they're getting to the hoop. They're not going to you know beat you by jacking up a bunch of threes. It's just not in their wheelhouse. Uh, so I just want to see CSU... You know, stick stick committed to playing inside out, and just don't don't get frustrated by Wyoming. You know they're going to play slow. You know there's going to be like two, three, four, maybe even four minute spurts where there's no buckets scored. This is really going to be a low scoring game. Um, you just you got to stay committed. You got to play smart, and you can't let Wyoming bait you out of your game because if they do that, then maybe they can steal an upset. But that's really the only way it's going to happen. And I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. This young team, you know, they get it. They they really buy into what Medved and the assistants are preaching. You know, that Medved and the assistants are going to be talking about the exact same things that I'm talking about right now. And I'm just curious to see how they respond. This is a a big game. The Rams need to get a win in conference play. If you fall to zero and four, the the fans are really really going to be pissed. I mean, that's really the only way to put it. Uh, you want to drum up some support for this team as they progress through conference play. The best way to do that, of course, is is coming out and beating down a rival on a home floor when you should take care of business. You know, this is a team that you are superior then. Go out and prove it. Shut down Maldonado. Uh, make smart plays. Get Carvacho involved. Get the freshman involved. And get a win in conference play. Get get back to your winning ways. Get your confidence rolling again. And, and we'll see what this team is able to do over the next couple of weeks. But you know, if you lose, it's going to be pretty tough to swallow because this is not a good Wyoming team. It just, it isn't. You know, I I like to bring up all the time that in college basketball, anyone can beat anyone. And that really is the truth. You see it all the time, especially this year. It's It's been as chaotic of a college basketball season as I can remember. Anyone can beat anyone at any given time. So you really can't, you know, you can't underestimate anyone. But that said... This is a team that CSU needs to wipe the floor with. This is a team that the Rams need to go out and prove that they're superior and prove that the program is in a better place. That's just my opinion. I think they're the better team. I think you're going to see CSU come out, and I think you're going to see them take care of business. If I'm wrong, I will get you know plenty of flack on Twitter, and, and I'll accept it, and that's fine. But I really don't see that happening. Just with the fight that CSU has consistently shown... Uh, even in that Nevada loss, you know, it would have been so easy to to just lay down and end up losing by double digits. Instead, they fight back in a hostile environment, get the game all the way back within two possessions. Uh, this is why this is a Wyoming team that not even in the same league, not even you know, can't even hold Nevada's jock. So take care of business. That's all I have to say about this game. Uh, you do that, you get the fans excited a little bit again, you get the confidence rolling, and we'll see what happens from there. But you got to take things one game at a time, and you got to focus on beating a poor Wyoming team. All right, we will be at Moby Arena, so follow along on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rams, at Justin T. Michael for all your live updates Saturday. Obviously, we'll have post-game content as well. Looking forward to it. Hope everyone has a fantastic Friday and a very happy weekend. 
tough khakis wearing graphic tees feeling way too trendy raps that kill oh i'm deadly primed and ready like machetes at a deli in new delhi feeling scummy like martin scarelli turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice but water's the truth so i sip on that too skinny looking kid with no car keys like the only thing i drive is rcrv's got the stash like steve harvey oh i'm gnarly like non